1 Peter chapter 2, verse beginning in verse 9. If you're physically able, will you stand with us as we read for God's precious word and out of respect for it? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if, because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return, when he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, and now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Thank you for standing. That's the word of the living God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God is three in one. We don't understand that. But our sovereignty is not, and our authority is not our understanding. Our authority is the Word of God. And the Word of God teaches that. God the Father planned our salvation. God the Son purchased it. And God the Holy Spirit makes it known through the Scriptures. Hallelujah. They're all involved, three in one. Praise His name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come. If we're not careful, and the reason we backed up to verse 9, and the title of this series that we're on right now as we continue to go through 1 Peter is, Christ is seen in our submission. Our Lord, Jesus Christ, we profess Him to be Lord. So what it means to be a Christian, to profess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, that in our submission to authority, our Lord is seen. 
if we rebel against authority, our Lord is not seen. But in submission, He is seen. And we've gone through, picking up from verse 13, and looked at the rest of the book, and kind of the framework and the glue that holds the entire book together is submission to authority. Surprisingly enough. And here he is writing to a persecuted group of Christians. And you'll remember they're going to go through under they're going to undergo even more intense persecution, and he's preparing them for it. But if you fly over the book at a high altitude, that you see that the glue that holds the rest of the book together, beginning in 13 and following, is submission to government authority in verse 13. It is submission to employers in verse 18. In chapter 3, verse 1, it's wives being submissive to husbands. And in chapter 5, verse 5, it's younger people being submissive to elders. Now, we as husbands are not out of the loop in this, guys. Uh, he's going to speak to us in the following, uh, in the text following 3, 1 and following. And God willing, in a couple of weeks, we'll get there. But submission to authority, and we'll visit this truth again later on in the message, but the submission to authority is a barometer of your spiritual condition. The way you view authority, the way you respond to authority is a barometer of where you are spiritually. I don't care how many hands you raise in a service. I don't care how many religious terms you know. I don't care how smooth our talk is about how much we love Jesus. If we are in rebellion to God's delegated authority, it means we're in rebellion to His inherent authority. And all those words are lame as far as God's concerned. Because he does not work through rebellion. He will not work through rebellion. Those who enjoy the power and blessing of God and the witness of his dear son are the ones who are in submission to the authorities in their lives. It's clear that that's God's will. And we've talked about before that if we'll do what we know clearly is God's will, what we don't know about God's will will be revealed to us. But whatever we don't know about God's direction for our lives and His will will not come to us if we're not submissive to what we know to be His will. We do what we know to do, and as we do what we know to do, God will tell us what to do. But He's not going to tell us what to do if we're not in submission to what we know to do. And God made it clear. Now, if we jump into the text at verse 13 and we just start there about being submissive to authority, then we have just undercut everything that God gave us in power and provision in order to walk out the truth and live out the truth that He gives us in the verses that follow. The habit of the Gospel writers is this. Because this is true about you, this is how you are to live. It's exactly the way the epistles are written. And this one is no exception. So if we just start to verse 13 and say, submit to authority, then we've jumped into the middle of the text and we've just undercut the power that is ours to walk in what He requires. Remember this. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of everything He'll ever require of you. He doesn't ask you and I to do it and to draw upon our strength. He asks us by faith to draw upon His. And so, the power that we need is available to us through the presence of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And it's based on receiving the truth about what God says about us. Do you remember the outline we pursued? Does anybody remember? What does it start with? It starts with all P's. Position. We receive the truth about our position in Christ. Our position. We're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. We're part of a holy nation. 
and we are God's people and we once weren't not God's people. We are, we are purchased by His blood. We're His special possession. That's what God says about the believer. So that's our position. From that flows what? Praise. We go, what, what, could it, what else could it be? If we really receive the testimony of, of, of God's Son and how He applies the testimony of His Son to you. See, your Christian testimony, my Christian testimony, is not God applying my testimony to me. It's God applying His Son's testimony to me. Amen? Hallelujah! Praise God for that. And we begin to receive that. What is it? What is the response? But praise. Praise. Because of who I am. Because of what you've done with a rebel rouser, motley crew like us. All of us rebels, everyone. Murderers and thieves. Every one of us liars. Listen. The report about us is worse than what it really is what we used to be. But God took us and cleaned us up by the blood of His Son. And now we were not His people. Now we are His people. He's brought us out of the darkness into His marvelous light. And He is. we have now obtained mercy when once we had not obtained mercy. That's the praise. We should go around uttering those praises and live in a different level of living to say, you know what, because of all that is true, I'm not going to let my circumstances dictate me. I'm going to live in my circumstances, but dear ones, I can live above them. Hallelujah to His name. So position, praise, and then what's the third one? Posture. Posture. What is the posture? That's right. There you go. Submission. Way to go. I'm telling you right now, He's on top of it, buddy. I'm, pretty, I'm so proud of you. Submission. We surrender to what is true. See, we surrender. That call to surrender is not to make those things true. That call to surrender is because those things are true. And then, what does he say? The posture is that of submission as pilgrims and sojourners. Aren't you grateful this isn't home? Aren't you grateful that we're just passing through? That we're sojourners? We're on a journey. We're looking for a city whose foundations are not made with human hands, but our foundations are made with God by God Himself. Hallelujah. Because of that, his call for submission, his call for submission, his call for surrender is based on who we are, the praises that flow from that. And then we don't wrestle with surrender because it's reasonable service. It's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Because all of that's true. Offer up your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. What's His will? Well, He comes out of the gate with it. Submit to government authority. Submit to government authority. Submit. Honor those who are in authority. Pray for them, we're told to do in the Bible. This is God's will. It's not the characteristic of the kingdom to overthrow government authority. The characteristic of the kingdom is to submit to the one who's sovereign over the authority because we have a kingdom that's coming that's not of this world. Amen? Let me tell you something right now. If the government changes, it's not government change that God works through. It's heart change. And the only way that anybody's heart can be changed, period, is through the gospel. Amen? That is our charge. Let the world do what it may. 
Do we bear influence when we can? Submissively? Absolutely. Do we vote as Christians? Absolutely. But is that where we vest our confidence? Absolutely not. We're part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He says, submit to authority, honor the king, love the brotherhood. We talked about that last week. And then we go into here in verse uh, 18. And here he goes. He said, listen, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I've had a lot of bosses through the years. I've had some manipulative bosses. I've had some manipulative, self-serving bosses who had little or no integrity. I've had plenty of those. I've had bosses who have no idea, no idea of their rank and file darkness and spiritual condition they walked in. I've had bosses who were benevolent, kind, who cared about my career development and all the things you'd want to see in a boss. And I can tell you this, and you know it's true, it's easy to submit to a person like that. It's easy. Just like it is easy to love somebody who loves you. I mean, Jesus said that. Jesus said, if you love other people that love you, pagans do that. Whoop-de-doo. But when you love people who don't love you, that'll take me. Because that's how I do. I am kind to the unthankful and the evil. I cause rain to fall on the righteous as well as the unrighteous. I'm a kind, merciful God. So, you know, we as Christians, we can easily, oh, I've got a Christian boss. Praise the Lord. i got somebody who comes in and we have Bible studies in the office. or we They allow Bible studies and have somebody who encourages my faith and doesn't combat it. Oh, it's just wonderful in my, my environment. Well, praise God for that. But more often than not, that's not the case. More often than not, that's not the case. And the Lord said, in that submission, in that submission to that delegated authority, you'll find me. And not only will you find me, but those who are around you will get to see me. See, if, 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 you're, if you're employed by somebody and your boss sees you coming and just have to do this and go, well, here we go again. Or if they get an email from you and you go, well, here we go again. Here we go again. You know, this is some, this is a complaint. This is some rub. This is some contention. And they have to manage you with a contorted spirit. You're disobeying God. It doesn't mean you don't offer helpful solutions. It doesn't mean that at all. You certainly do. But you do it in a submissive spirit. You do it recognizing they're your authority. If the water cooler conversations swirl around management and every one of you know how to do the job better than your managers. I always did. I always think, man, if they just asked me, I'd change this place. And then when you find out you get an authority, you go, ooh, it wasn't so easy after all. When those water cooler conversations come up, you as a believer should never be a part of them. You should commend your boss, even if they're the meanest, most rude and nasty person that you could imagine. And let me tell you what will happen. What will emerge through that is a Christian witness. And when they want to know why you're so strange, you'll have a platform to tell them. If you're a, if you're a contentious employee and you're constantly causing problems, if you make the people that are in authority over you, if you are a burr in their saddle, if you are a constant problem, if you're a constant complaint, you are not showing a Christian witness. You're cloaking the gospel. You are discrediting the fact that Jesus, who is equal with God, came in submission to God 
and became a man and died on the cross to purchase you and I. What you're saying in your actions is, that did not happen. He didn't do that. He didn't change me that way. He held on to his rights. He didn't empty himself. You might say in your, you might say here around all of us, oh, he did all those things and I trust him for it. But your actions are going to say something else. And I can tell you this, the, the people that are around you are going to be more interested in how you act than what you say. Doesn't mean you don't say. But actions do speak louder than words. This is an interesting word that we come up with here and we look at it. It says, not only to the gentle, but submit to the ones that are harsh. That word, the Greek word from which that word harsh is translated, is skalios. Skalios. And what that means and what we get from that word, the English word we get from that, is scoliosis. Scoliosis, curvature of the spine. Some of you in here have, have inflicted with that. It's a, a curvature of the spine. And that's what the word means. If your boss is crooked, if your boss lacks integrity, you can also translate that word wicked. You can translate that as um, somebody who is perversely wicked. You can translate that word as unfair. And he says, if you have a boss who's crooked, who lacks integrity, and is wicked, you're to submit to them as you submit to me. That's a hard pill to swallow in some environments. But it's appealing nonetheless. And let me tell you this. God would never require you to do that without giving you the grace to live in it. Never do that. We speak of the Christian witness. Has our witness become so lame and weak in America? Has the salt arguably lost its savor? Is it good for nothing except to be thrown out and trodden underfoot by men? You lose the saltiness of your... You lose the savor of the salt. You, you, you lose the light of the light if you don't walk in submission to get the delegated authority. And look at this. It says this. To a harsh, crooked, perverse, lack of integrity, person who's self-serving, couldn't care less about your career, developing you, couldn't care less, only uses you as a means to their own selfish ends. Every one of us have had a boss like that, or maybe you've got one like that now. Let me tell you something right now. The greatest way that Jesus can crush your flesh is for you to be exceedingly submissive and nice to that person. And I tell you how you, let me tell you how you're going to change. Let me tell you how your orientation toward that person will change. Before you go in there tomorrow, get on your knees before the Lord and you start praying for them. It's hard to maintain anger at somebody you're really praying for. And don't pray, Lord, would you change that nut so that my life will be better and I won't have as bad a day as I normally have? Would you please do that? It's not that. Lord, would you so tenderize my heart and change me? And before you ever worry, Lord, about changing my manager, change me. Change my attitude toward them. And let it be that if they die rejecting you, they won't have my rebellion to use it as an excuse to blame me for it. Let me get out of the way and then begin to pray for them that they'll repent one day and put their faith in Jesus Christ. You start doing that, your heart will change toward them. I promise you, your heart will change toward them.
the next word. We're, pay, we're staying with P's here. Position. The praise that flows from it. You ready? Posture. Next word. Pattern. Pattern. That's the next word. Pattern. Pattern. Just so you can have a framework for the outline. Position is 1 Peter 2, 9a, the first part of verse 9. Praise is 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. The second part of 9 through 10. Posture is 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12. Position, I mean pattern, is 1 Peter 2, 21 through 24. I want us to look at a real key word here in what Paul, uh, what Peter says to us here. Now let's look at it. Alright? It's commendable. A commendation from heaven. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that God says from heaven, I commend you for submitting to a boss that you find it hard to submit to. I commend you for it. I commend you to, to, to submit to a government that's in the direction that's counter to what you know and believe in your convictions. I commend you for it. I commend you from heaven. This is commendable if because of conscience. The word conscience means with knowledge. It means that the submission does not carry with it some reckless self-denial that's morbid and the Bible doesn't know of. It is a conscience with knowledge, a conscious submission to those who are in authority for a higher purpose because you've done gone to fishing. You realize that you're at the office that you're in not only to earn a living for your family, but you're in your office to fish. And the fish are men and women who are around you. And the bait is submission even when you find it the hardest to do. That is why Jesus had Peter go get the coins out of that fish to pay the poll tax. He could have just made them come from heaven. But he said, go get that fish and pull them out of the fish's mouth. Because son, I'm going to remind you once again, you are not here to drive out the Roman army. You are not here to undo Caesar. You are here to fish. I called you to fish. Go to fishing. That's why you're there. Amen? He says, okay, with knowledge, I'm a fisherman. Okay, I got a call on my life. I got a call on my life. I don't care what you do, you have a call on your life. Do you know that as a believer, you have a call on your life? You're not an accident. You're not a redemptive accident. You're, you're not a, a slip up where God said, well, how did he get in? He, you got in on purpose. He birthed you into the kingdom. He Chose you in His Son before the foundation of the world. There are no unplanned births in the kingdom. It is a supernatural act of God that you got in. Hallelujah. And you got in by grace through faith. And He wants to display His Son through you. And one of the ways, and we don't like to talk about it because it doesn't sound very fun, but one of the ways that He loves to display His Son through us is when we submit to authority that are difficult to submit to. Why? With knowledge, I'm a fisherman. I'm not here. If you're a fisherman, you'd have to step down to become president of the United States. And that's no slide on the presidency. I don't mean that. You've been called of God. You've been called of God. Hallelujah to His name. 
So, with knowledge, conscience, with knowledge, if because of that reason, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Now, let's tease this out for just a minute and share what is obvious. Peter anticipated what they were thinking. The Holy Spirit did through him. What credit is to you if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? Obviously. You go in and you have a hard time with your boss and you get a bad performance appraisal and it's because you've been a bad employee. Don't go to bragging about that. Don't go to smelling yourself. That's, that's something to repent of. That's not something to commend yourself for. That's something to repent of. As a matter of fact, in your repentance, Jesus will be seen. Go in your office and go to everybody you affected and say, you know what, I've had a sorry attitude and I'm sorry. I've asked God to forgive me and I'm asking you to forgive me. And then change and walk in His power. So he says, okay, if because you're doing your job and doing good, with knowledge, because I'm fishing, but if you do good and suffer wrongfully, if you take it patiently, this is, now, now think about this. There's two times in the course of two verses, three verses, that he uses the word commendable. He does it again. He said, if you take it patiently, this is commendable for God. For to this you were called. You were appointed to it. You were appointed to it. And so was I. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in His steps. Here's the interesting word I was talking about that gives us understanding about this. That word example is translated from a word that means writing under. It means writing under. I thought of Jono when I was studying this because she's always doing sophisticated doodle work. I doodle and it looks like doodle. Jono doodles and it looks like artwork. You want to frame it. With mine, you want to burn it. And so, so, but this is writing under. And what this means is it's like taking a piece of paper and putting it over something that's already written and tracing it on top of it. That's what it means. It means that the pattern has already been laid out and it's embedded in God's Word and His testimony regarding His Son. Here it is right here. This is the pattern right here. And the Lord said this. Here's what you and I had the capacity to do. Think about this. It's cool. And Brian, you're right. He wouldn't call us to be holy if He didn't give us power to be holy. You know what we have We have the capacity to lay our lives on top of the life of Jesus Christ and trace out what you see. That is cool! That what you see, because here's the deal, and we've talked about this before, and I preached a whole sermon on this. Two thieves on either cross of Jesus, on either side of Him, right? Gary, one on the left and one on the right. He's in the middle. Both of them are cursing him out. You realize the Bible says that both of them, when they were put up there, were cursing. Did you know it says that? We always talk about the other one cursing, but both of them were cursing. Okay? And then, then, one of them changes his mind. What's that called? Repentance. He tells the other guy, he said, listen, here's the deal. You need to hush. He said, because you know what? We're getting what we deserve. And he's done nothing wrong. Repentance means to agree with God against yourself. That's what it means. I'm going to side with God. I deserve everything he says I deserve. 
That's repentance. Okay, then he says, he's done nothing wrong. He turns to Jesus. I can, I'm telling you right now, I've played this over in my mind so many times, what it must have looked like. And we can only imagine. But he's turned to me and said the same thing. And he's turned to you and said the same thing. But he turned to him and he said, Lord, not teacher or good guy or hero, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. you imagine what it looked like at that time? Jesus probably didn't have hardly the strength to keep his head up. You imagine what it looked like for him to turn up like that and muster up the very last vestiges of strength he had and turn around to that thief and say, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. And probably when he said that, paradise, I imagine blood just spurted out because it was all over his face. What must it have been like to hear that? Dear, when he said the same thing to you. You know why he changed his mind? The tense of it is this. That when he said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. In the Greek language, that's repetitive. In other words, wave after wave of people came up. And he said, Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. You know what the thief realized? He got converted not by watching Jesus live. He got converted by watching Jesus die. And friends, let me tell you something. Nobody needs to see you and I trying to act like Jesus. But they desperately need to see Him and have such a way with me and you that He's seen in me. And it's not how you live that points people to Jesus. It's how you die. And you, let me tell you the way to die. The way to die is, is that you go into work on Monday morning or you submit to your husband or you submit to elders or you submit to government authority. Every time you do, when it's the hardest to do, it's one more nail. You know what he's doing? He's killing everything that makes you toxic. The only thing you stand to lose is what binds you. And then you get free. And he has his way with you. And you commend yourself like Jesus did to the righteous judge and say, you know what, Lord? You'll take care of all this. If my boss remains in rebellion for the rest of their life, and, and if I have to work here till I retire or drop dead, my boss is in your hands because I'm in your hands and you're sovereign over whatever happens here. Amen. See, Jesus believed in the sovereignty of his Father. You think about that? Now, Jesus is God, but in the flesh, he believed that God orchestrated everything that was happening to him. And you know what? Regardless of where you are and how difficult it may be, God's sovereign over the believer. And dear one, he loves you so much and he wants to, he wants to take your life and my life and put it over the top of his son and trace out a picture of him. That's what that word means, example. Isn't that precious? And the only thing you stand to lose is that which binds you. And look what it says. He's our example. Now, he quotes here from Isaiah chapter 55, 53, verse 9. And he says, Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. What does that mean? It means he was suffering because of righteousness. He wasn't suffering because he did anything wrong. And then, that's as far as we can go. Man, there was one other thing I wanted to get in, but I don't know if we're going to have time to do that or not. We'll do that next week, God willing. You know what we're like? We want to figure out a way to enjoy the benefits of surrender without surrendering. 
We do. We really are that way. I've been in many counseling sessions where that really, if you got honest with it and say, here's what you're asking. I want to enjoy the benefits of a spirit-filled life without dying. If I could just step sidestep the dying part, I'd appreciate that. Can you have you got a way that we can figure out and manipulate the scriptures and come up with something that we can kind of just throw in there and shove down in there and make my theology fit? You know, we do that to God all the time, don't we? We take our preconceived notions and we oh, let me get that in the scripture and we try to wrestle it in there and just Impose, it's like taking a piece of puzzle. You know, my grandmother used to put together these 5,000 piece puzzles. 5,000 take eight months for me. She'd do it in a week. And you go over there and you try to help her out every now and then. And I find a spot and I say, I'm convinced that one works. It better work. And you go in there and, you try to push it down and do everything you can to make it work. And it just doesn't work because that piece is out there somewhere in cyber zone. And you want to find it, but you can't find it because it eludes you. And that's how we do with the Christian life. You know, our, our, our lifestyle. We try to make our lifestyle fit our. We try to make our theology fit our lifestyle, rather than the other way around. Let's let God speak for God. The way you respond to authority, the way you view authority, and the way you respond to authority is a barometer of your spiritual condition. It is a method that God uses to communicate to you the truth about where you are with Him. It really is. It really is. You know what? And it's sweet of the Lord to do that. Not only is He conforming us into the image of His dear Son, but in so doing that, He's wielding a witness of His dear Son toward people who desperately need to see Him. Christ is seen in our submission. How do we submit? We have the pattern. You know what the last P is? And we'll get, over, we'll get to it next week. But here's the last P. I'll give you a preview of coming attractions. First P position. From that flows praise. From that posture, submission, surrender. From that we see our pattern. And from heaven we have our power. Our power. That's the last P. The power. The power with which to do it. He's got his hand on you. And he wants to manifest himself through you. Let's surrender. Amen. Let's surrender. And dear ones, dear ones, dear ones, dear ones, let's go to fishing. Let's wet a hook, throw out a net, and go to fishing. And change our perspective about our employers, about our government, about people around us, about the call he has on our lives. And let's walk in there tomorrow and realize, you know what? This is my mission field. I'm a missionary. Henry is a missionary at CNN. And boy, do they need them. And Ashley is a missionary at Taco Bell. And boy, do they need them. Amen. And you walk in there and realize, if I submit to everybody in here in a Christ-like way, God commends that. Because in so doing that, I am modeling and tracing out a picture in front of everybody of his son. Amen.